Welcome to the Music Matters Media Podcast. Today, we are going to discuss a highly anticipated record of 2023. We are talking about Fall Out Boy's latest, So Much for Stardust, their eighth studio album, and their first on Fuel by Ramen since Take This to Your Grave. Can you believe that, Eric? Oh my god, I'm... I'm still somewhat in denial, if I'm being brutally honest with you. I'll elaborate a little bit more on that later, but my god, it's just so much has happened, and I know obviously we just recently spoke about this, but it's it's just now really starting to hit me. Uh, everything that's been going on around this album cycle, it's pretty crazy. Absolutely, I could not agree more. I can't wait for us to dive in to this record. Just wanted to go over some overall background for those who are listening, by the way, we did a little preview of this record. We discussed the singles. We even gave our ranked of their discography leading up to this record. So if you haven't checked out that episode celebrating five years of this show, please go and give that one a listen and then come back here and give this one a listen because you do not want to miss that. That basically sets up everything that we're about to discuss here right now on this episode. So go check that one out. Yeah, definitely. And if you're someone who is listening to this and you haven't listened to the album just yet or at all, go back to that episode, listen to that one, listen to the singles first then jump into the album and come back to this episode because it really is a process. Excellent. Excellent advice, Eric. And speaking of the singles, the first single from the album, Love From The Other Side, was released on January 18th alongside the official announcement of this record. Then after that, the second single was Heartbreak Feels So Good, and then the single to coincide with the album's release was Hold Me Like a Grudge. And... They worked with Neil Avron, a former producer that they've worked with on other projects, throwing it back to From Under the Cork Tree, Infinity on High, and Folia Do. Neil Avron, for those who don't know, is a producer who formerly not only worked with Fallout Boy, but worked with bands such as Yellow Card, Yumi at Six, Newfound Glory, Linkin Park, The Used, All Time Low, and Forever the Sickest Kids, just to give you an idea of his influence within pop punk and pop rock music. So he's every bit a pop punk veteran as these guys are, as Fall Out Boy are. Absolutely. And with that also being said, when they reunited to work on this record, it was very much a known thing that they didn't want to create just a nostalgia base record. And that was the agreement on going back to working with Neil is Neil said himself that if he's going to work on this project and put his touches on his project with them, that he's not interested in making a throwback record. He's interested in tapping into Fall Out Boy's sound of today with former influences as well. That makes it all the more interesting because it really makes you wonder what Fall Out Boy had in mind prior to talking to the producer. You know what I mean? Like, it really makes you wonder what kind of sound they had in mind prior to him kind of, you know, slowing things down and saying, you know, this is the direction that I would like us to go in, provided that I'm to work with you again. Going and looking back at footage and going through a bunch of interviews and listening to what the band has had to say about this record, I will say that they were interested in stripping back 
the music and we discussed this on the episode that we spoke about fallout boy for our five-year anniversary they were going into this record very much interested in going back to being together in the same room playing their instruments and not leaning so heavily on the electronic elements and everything being overproduced and super polished they wanted to strip it back and kind of go back to the basics in that sense makes total sense but obviously the producer came in and provided the final piece of the puzzle in terms of tying everything together making sure that they were staying on course and making something that was cohesive and just adding input of what would be best times that they needed to reel stuff in times that maybe they didn't want certain things on the record and he had the outside perspective to put that decision making to process right he took care of polishing up the final product with that we have Fall Out Boy's eighth studio album so much for stardust and the track list is consisted of 13 tracks we have love from the other side heartbreak feels so good hold me like a grudge fake out heaven iowa so good right now the pink seashell featuring ethan hawk i am my own muse flu game baby annihilation the kintsugi kid 10 years what a time to be alive and the title track so much for stardust before getting into our personal thoughts on the record here are some fun facts about the references of these titles first of all the pink seashell featuring ethan hawk is a sample that features dialogue spoken by hawk from the 1994 rom-com reality bites yeah i i knew about that prior to going into this album that's awesome that they that they chose to sample that bit of dialogue and it really does tie in together with the underlying themes of the of the album And then when it comes to two other titles on this album, you have the Kintsugi Kid, 10 Years. And Kintsugi is the Japanese art of putting broken pottery pieces back together with gold, which is pretty much a metaphor for embracing your flaws and imperfections. Yeah, Which couldn't be more spot on with the song. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Another fun fact for those who aren't really into sports and may not have gotten the reference where it just goes right over your head. Flu game references MJ and not the MJ you're thinking about. I'm talking about Michael Jordan. It refers to a 1997 game during the NBA finals where Michael Jordan from the Chicago Bulls got food poisoning, but his team still won against the Utah Jazz. Despite suffering flu-like symptoms, it was only food poisoning, but flu-like symptoms, Jordan had enough in his tank to still score 38 points in the impressive win against the Utah Jazz. So that went down in history as the quote-unquote flu game, which also very much ties into the song flu game off of this record. That is really amazing, and it definitely went over my head because I'm not at all a sports head. So this is definitely news for me. So Patrick and Pete, have referenced the fact that this would be the record they would have made if they didn't have a hiatus between Folio Do and Save Rock and Roll, that this would have been the record in between. But they've also referenced this record as being a sister record pairing to Infinity on High. Between Infinity on High and Folio Do, they have a lot of influence on so much for Stardust. Could you personally hear that on this record? I can. I'm not, I'm going to be brutally honest. I'm not going to say that I can hear it a lot. You know, that's just me personally. But I can definitely hear uh, traces of both Infinity on High and uh, Fully Ado on this album in terms of the heavy riffing and the experimentation. But it's it's definitely its own thing. It's not like a rehash or or even like a direct continuation, you could say. Also, speaking about their most recent break from Mania to So Much for Stardust, in between now and then, Patrick actually became a composer for the 2021 animated TV series Spidey and His Amazing Friends on Disney Junior. And I feel like a lot of the influence 
of him being behind the scenes composing for a Disney kid show can be seen on this record as well, for better or for worse, which we will get into here. I also can hear a lot of influence from his solo record, Soul Punk, back in 2011, that you can make the comparison as well of influence from there. So I think it's just a culmination of everything. Infinity on High, Foley Do, Soul Punk, Patrick's composing for this animated series, and Pete's lyricism and poetry, and Patrick's sonic melodies, and them getting in the same room together with Joe and Andy, and physically stripping things back, and bringing back the instruments, and putting the instruments in the forefront, really made so much for Stardust feel like more of a return to form for this band. Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if even... You know, the sound that was on the short-lived Black Cards, right? Between Pete Wentz and B.B. Rexa kind of inserted itself on this album. Deep cut. Not a lot of people remembered. I think out of their solo and side projects during that time, that's the most underrated one I would make the argument of. I don't even think they got as far as making music, if I'm not mistaken. I think they probably played live, but that was about the extent of it. they did. They did festival runs and gigs here and there but i i believe you're right on that yeah but i wouldn't be surprised if the music from that project also bled into this as well Mm -hmm. and you can clearly hear you know the heavy rock influence that andy and joe bring to the table as well you hear them yes you know really going at it as well this album returns to a more guitar oriented pop rock overall and even arguably pop punk sounding at times with influences of disco, soul, funk, the spoken word, and orchestral elements, which is basically what I was referring to earlier. So it really is such a mesh between everybody stylistically within this band, what they do outside of the band, and then what they have to bring to the table when they all come together and work on a project in the same room. I love that they got in the same room and that they were doing in person because it's so easy to make a quick turnaround with music nowadays with the technology that we have you don't have to be together to create a record to make a song to make music but i will make the argument that by them being together and feeding off of each other and being able to express how things should go and nobody having the ego to put their thoughts over another person and everybody getting a chance to collaborate collectively is what made this record, in my opinion, their best record in years because it definitely blows Mania out of the water without question and American Beauty, American Psycho. And those are the two records that we've gotten previously to this record within recent years. And, you know, this isn't to say that you can't make a fantastic sounding album, you know, uh, separately, because there definitely have been albums that have been proven to sound really well, even when they're made at a distance or when not everybody's in the same room and everybody just kind of Frankensteins it, right? So they're definitely, it is definitely possible to make a fantastic album like that, but there's really nothing that just beats having all your buddies in one room and you're feeding off of each other, you're feeding ideas off of each other and you're, you know, putting it all together in one recording or just playing together, riffing around. There's nothing that beats that interaction because you physically see it on each other's faces. Yeah, this is working or no, this is good, but it could be used for something else. Exactly. You can feed off of each other's energy and you know where things are heading rather than splicing everything together and trying to figure it out that way and everybody not being necessarily on the same page. Exactly. And to some extent, that's kind of not just reflected in the album musically, but lyrically as well. The, you know, the need to to be with other people uh, in person. Oh, totally. And what I will say, kicking off this discussion as well, is I love how the record starts off strong and ends extremely strong as well. I think that they did a really good job picking the intro and the outro and the fact that they picked 
Love from the Other Side as their lead single. I thought that was a really smart choice to rope everybody in because it really caught listeners off guard because everybody had become accustomed to their sound during the latter half of their career that Love from the Other Side turned out to be such a curveball, but in the best way possible. So I thought that was a really great choice. And the fact that so much for Stardust, the title track at the end is a callback to the beginning of the record. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I caught that as I was listening to the... doesn't get better than that. I love ending, that. Yeah. I'm a sucker for things like that where... Where it gets a little meta. Yeah. yeah and everything definitely. gets tied together and it's just it becomes this whole cohesive thing because I feel like when you go back and listen to it the second, third time that now you have it in different contexts listening to it again. Yeah, you certainly catch things that you either didn't hear before because there was just so much going on or that you quite literally just didn't pay attention to, you know, things that you may have overlooked. Exactly. And listen, out of the singles that were released, there was Love from the Other Side, Heartbreak, Feel So Good, and then Hold Me Like a Grudge that coincided with the album's release. Out of those singles, I know you weren't particularly gung-ho on Love from the Other Side, but I believe you said in our previous episode that Heartbreak Feels So Good was more to your liking. For me, it turned out to be the opposite way around. The more that I listened to each prior to the record being released, and then now in the context of the record, Love from the Other Side, I believe, just really gets the record going, setting the record off on the right foot, The instrumentals are firing on all cylinders. Joe, got to give a shout out to Joe here. Some of his guitar work throughout this album, truly phenomenal. Andy is a beast on drums. Some of the standout tracks with their instrumentals. You have Love from the Other Side. You have Heaven, Iowa. There's some really great moments here where those two shine. And I'm glad that everybody got their moments because then I would make the argument for Pete, you have his poetry on Baby Annihilation. You also have fantastic lyricism on here. Fake Out for me with Pete. Pete's writing, Kintsugi Kid, 10 years. So much for Stardust and Love from the Other Side being a tie-in. Pete did a great job with these concepts and, and the lyrics on these tracks. And then you have Patrick, who he has his influence throughout this record, through and through where you know, okay, that's a Patrick Stump track. You have tracks on here that are a lot more soul and funk influenced and the orchestral elements as well. You have tracks like So Good Right Now, I Am My Own Muse, Flu Game, What a Time to Be Alive specifically, which to me scream Patrick Stump and his touch all over this record. So What brought a smile to my face is I could pinpoint what each band member brought to this record, and I'm just so happy with how the majority of this record turned out. Of course, are there speed bumps here and there? Yes, it's not a flawless record. By no means is it a throwback record, but also by no means is it another Mania or another American Beauty, American Psycho. So I think that balance that we were discussing in our previous episode about our expectations and our guesses for this record, they were able to achieve that balance. I will say that. Yeah, definitely. I feel I feel a balance between the old and the new, if that's the way that most people want to put it. Because we discussed how you have the OG fans of Fall Out Boy, where they grew up listening to Fall Out Boy like we did for example, who take these records like Take This to Your Grave, Cork Tree, Infinity on High, Folia Do, and hold them so near and dear to their hearts. And then you have a whole other generation of listeners that came in later on after their hiatus who only know Fall Out Boy as, say, Rock and Roll and American Beauty and Mania. And then hearing their older work sounds strange to them. So I think that the band did a really good job of bridging the gap between the two eras. 
Yeah, I feel like there's just the right amount of experimentation and the right amount of, I guess, old school sounds on the album enough to enough to please, I guess, both camps. Yeah, totally agree. So what particularly stood out to you? How did you feel about the record personally? Okay, <laughs> so I've definitely got a lot to say just because it's it's all been just so much building around this album cycle. I'll try to keep it as concise and as clean as possible. But uh, yeah, <laughs> bear with me a little. So when I first listened to this album, I really didn't know how to feel or what to feel. And to some extent, I'm still in that mindset, even though I've listened to it multiple times. I'm glad that in regards to this being a more guitar-based album, Fall Out Boy kept their word, and Joe Troman was able to bring that back for the old-school fans. Uh, Absolutely. He particularly provides a lot of ear candy moments throughout the album. I'm happy to hear him adding variety to his playing and using different effects pedals and playing techniques because it shows his growth as a lead guitar player, and it shows the influence he's brought in from The Damned Things, which is an amazing band. We love that band. Definitely check them out, especially if you're a fan of heavy metal, thrash metal. It's mind-blowing. Joe and Andy really get to use that band as an outlet. Yeah, definitely. And I'm glad to see that the influence from that side project bled into this one. And I'm glad that the guitar is extremely prominent on the album. You know, you and I spoke about this in the last episode. We were afraid that the guitars would only show up in a couple of songs and then possibly largely be missing from the rest of the album. Thank God it didn't turn out that way. And after listening to the album multiple times, I could definitely say that Patrick was right in that it does feel like a continuation of Folia Do. However, even with the guitars and the somewhat stylistic return to Folia Do and even Infinity on High at parts, I definitely feel that this album still manages to double down on the experimentation side mm-hmm. that they've engaged in for the past decade. Uh, in the previous episode, I had said that uh, the first single, Love from the Other Side, to me had felt like mania, but with guitars. And that was my fear going into this album, that despite the return to a more guitar-based sound, that I wouldn't like it or that I would listen to it just once and then dismiss it or not go near it again for a long time, like what happened with Mania. Mm -hmm. And at first, that is how I felt. I'm not going to lie. I listened to it and I, I really didn't know, you know, whether to make up my mind about whether I liked it or whether I didn't or if I was in the middle. But I'm glad to say that I was wrong to feel how I initially felt about the first single. So it, it grew on you. Yes. It grew on me after repeated listens, and the album is definitely not Mania with guitars. No. <laughs> uh, and we are so thankful for that. Yeah. That, <laughs> that said, though, when I initially listened to this album, I had absolutely just no idea how to feel, whether to like it or not. Part of me was in denial that I was listening to guitars within Fall Out Boy's music again. And another part of me was saying, I hear the guitars, I hear the similarities to uh, the last two albums prior to the hiatus, but it still sounds like new Fall Out Boy to me. Uh, I know that there was one review that says that Fall Out Boy managed to sound like Fall Out Boy again, quote unquote. Uh, I guess that's true, but at the same time, I, I don't really see it that way completely. If this person was saying that they sound like the Fall Out Boy from prior to Save Rock and Roll, I personally don't think so. Sure, the guitars are back, but the experimentation is very much still there. So maybe this is just me, but I personally don't feel the same level of nostalgia that perhaps everyone else does. Do I like this album better than Mania? Absolutely. No question. Yeah, well, that goes without saying. <laughs> I knew now, you would. <laughs> now, do I like this album more than, say, Rock and Roll and or American Beauty slash American Psycho, or do I put it on par with those albums? I, I don't know. I don't have an answer. I, I can't say it yet. Overall, I liked it a lot. I'm not going to say I love it just yet because I'm still processing it. I'm still grappling with my emotions. But okay, that's fair. Honestly, this album may grow on me with further listens, and I really do think it will. That's fair. I feel like your response to this record was my response to Paramore's new record. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I I feel like we did a switch. We did a switch up. You know, I personally loved the the last album that Paramore did, which is uh, This Is Why. And you... Yeah, their most recent record. Yeah, Yeah. you really love uh, So Much For Stardust. Yes, I'm very stoked on this record. However, I feel like this is a little different because we're both on equal footing when it comes to Fall Out Boy and our our knowledge of the band and our history with the band. So I feel like this is the more interesting outcome 
just because, you right. know, we're such lifelong fans, you would expect the both of us to be on the same page. Yeah, but not but, necessarily. You know. That's why we get to have the opportunity to discuss it here on the show and to really give that perspective of everybody's personal taste. Yeah. Your personal taste, my personal taste, because we not only are we speaking for ourselves, but I would like to think that everybody that listened to this record didn't have the same emotion yeah, and definitely. attachment to it. You had people that were over the moon about it. You had people that felt somewhere in the middle about it. And you had people that absolutely mm -hmm. did not gel mm -hmm. with it at all. So I feel like this is a great conversation that we're having. Yeah, definitely. Along with when we did the Paramore mm -hmm. episode. So go check that one out as well. If you guys are a fan of the band Paramore, this is why. That was our previous episode that we just did. Mm -hmm. Go give that one a listen because we had a lot to say about that as well. But I 100% agree with you that they definitely did really, they really went all out to make an album that could please both sides of the fan base, the old school versus the new school. Yeah, I really believe this album bridges that gap. And everybody plays to their strengths. And yes. one thing I love about Patrick on this album, uh, maybe you'll agree, maybe you won't. He is a fantastic singer and he definitely goes all out to show that. But oh, I totally. like I like that he doesn't overdo it. Right. You know, because he and, doesn't need to. Exactly. On, on other songs from previous albums, there were some songs where I'm just like, all right, all right, you're a great singer, I get it, but this yeah. is a little too he much. Was pushing the envelope, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm like, you've already proven that. You don't need to go that, you know, extra mile. Yeah. But, um, I mean, I mean if, if you do, great. I mean, it's your decision, but it's not necessary. And on this album, I like that he knows how to toe that line between, you know, giving enough of himself but at the same time pulling back on certain moments you know what i mean exactly yeah where he can really rein himself in where he knows the moments of where he wants to take the music there and then at the same time knowing that he doesn't have to do that throughout the record for it to be a solid record where he can kind of pick and choose mm -hmm. yeah. his, his moments to to shine through and do that definitely and i love that the lyrics are at least for me, more poetic this time around. The, yes. There's a there's more so of so much well thought out these these lyrics. We haven't seen lyricism like this in quite some time yeah. from Pete Wentz. Yeah, so. and there's more of a unifying theme throughout the songs, lyrically speaking. Speaking of, Eric, tell me how you feel about this. This is how I felt. I love the juxtaposition between Patrick's sonic ability throughout this album to make it such a fun and upbeat and uplifting sounding album. Whereas Pete's lyricism is very dark throughout this record, but you're too busy enjoying yourself and bopping along to most of these tracks because they have a great melody, great groove. Some of them are just irresistible. And it isn't until after the fact, at least for me personally, where you go through these lyrics and you're like, wow, this is unbelievable. It's actually, speaking of Paramore, very much the after laughter effect yeah yeah that's exactly what i was thinking and in terms of how i feel about it i mean i feel like this is exactly how patrick and pete uh work best yes you know except now in comparison to you know take this to your grave and from under the cork tree you could you could see the potential in that partnership back then and it was flawless yeah but talking about it now They've with two musicians so who are much more seasoned yep it's just that much more impressive you know because patrick has more to choose from his arsenal of musical abilities yes and of course so does pete because so i mean well come said. on he's the bass player after all he brings the groove but at the same time he provides the uh the darkness you know so well said i you literally just read my mind what i was gonna say is now they have the tools that they didn't necessarily have back then because of their experience. Yeah, now they can fully realize any visions that they may have had back then when mm -hmm. they were just starting out. Because everybody dreams about that stuff. You know, when you're just starting out as a musician, you're like, man. Of course, I'd you're ambitious. To, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to write this piece of music one day. I don't know if I ever will. I hope I do. Now they can say they can do that. Exactly. You know, and, and that's really flexing your musical muscles. Exactly. Because as I said earlier, they all outside of this band make music their entire life and everybody has their own ways of doing it you have joe and andy with the damn things you have patrick composing for animated series now and and doing that and then he did his solo record over 10 years ago then you have pete who has his record label and he's constantly tapping into 
new talent and what's trending and what are people listening to now and then you get all these guys in the same room with all their different outlooks and lyrical expertise and just their sound in general and their ear for music and you just throw everything into a pot and mix it up and see what comes out and this record hearing that you might be a little bit apprehensive being like well how's that going to turn out but because they have the chemistry that they do for over 20 years at this point as just not even bandmates but as friends outside of the band that's what makes it work and that's what really pushes this record through and patrick makes me smile for two reasons the first well both of them have to do with growth but with different aspects of it the first is because it's so cool to see the evolution of patrick from going to the shy high schooler yeah to such a he's really coming to his own yeah he's such a confident adult and you know i think he's a father now and that's really amazing you could still see the you know very humble person inside of him as and as a front man and as a musician but he's much more confident now and he is way more talented now than he was when he first started out his career because he's finally tapped into that potential it was yeah, always there exactly. but now exactly with with all the collaborations he's ever done in his life and all the chances he's ever taken despite yeah. despite knowing that it could possibly blow up in his face you know, he took the risks and now he's being rewarded for it. For example, a little bit of a throwback, California by Blink-182 came out in 2016. Yeah, yeah. With Sober in San Diego, two of my personal favorite mm-hmm. tracks off of that record, yep, yep. had Patrick Stump as a co-producer yeah. and co-writer. So mm-hmm. just goes to show you. And that's just one example of the many yeah. that he's been a part of. And another reason uh, he makes me smile a lot on this album is because he was able to take the lessons he learned as a solo artist from releasing his music and having to deal with both the good and the bad uh, reception from that time in his life. And he was able to take that and turn it into yet another asset for this album. 100%. As I said earlier, you can see the influence. You know which track is especially Patrick Stump. Of course, it's going to be Patrick Stump and Pete Wentz and Joe Troman and Andy Hurley by default. It's a Fallout Boy record, so of course that goes without saying. But there's just certain tracks on here production-wise where the second that you press play, you know that Patrick Stump was behind these tracks. Some of them, for me personally, so good right now, Patrick Stump track. Great song, great song. Patrick Stump track. You have I Am My Own Muse, which for me, personally, the second that I heard I Am My Own Muse for the first time, I was like, this could have been on A Nightmare Before Christmas. It could be. There, yeah, I've got some things to say <laughs> about these songs when we get into them. But yeah, I can I can definitely hear that. It's got you a, know what I mean? The vibe of it? It's, it's, yeah, yeah. It, it kind of reminds me of that song where they sample the Addams Family, no? Yes. It, it reminds me of that. It very much brings his influence of being a composer for the animated series to the table here a lot of these songs have that Flute kind game. of yeah they have that like majestic grand composer type of feel yep and what a time to be alive i mean i've got on. i've got something to say about that disco funk reminding me of earth wind and fire september yeah definitely definitely yeah. how could you not uh that song uh do you remember do you remember yep do yeah. you remember? Yeah, yeah that's September. what it. That's, that's what it uh, reminds me of. Side of September. <laughs> yeah. Nice and job. Then... Nice job. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks. And then you have other tracks it's, on it's here. It's a rarity for you guys to hear Lisa sing, but here it is. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. Good I job. try. I try. I won't quit my day job. I promise. I won't quit. <laughs> but then you have other tracks on here, like "Love from the Other Side" and "Fake Out" and "Heaven Iowa," that really show Joe and Andy's ability as musicians yeah, where they shine yeah. through that's what i i think that's what i love too about this album it's sad to say that it's going to be so much for stardust even really yeah, big yeah. moment i mean yeah. andy's such a beast on yeah. those drums but that's what i love about this album too it's it, it sucks to say that this is going to be the last time we hear joe for a while just because it's necessary for him to you know be okay and that's perfectly fine but i do love that you know as an album prior to him taking a break he went all out yeah, I agree. And I do love the fact that it felt like everybody 
had their time to shine on this album. Exactly. And were... everybody contributed as a band, mm-hmm. whereas there's Pete or Patrick taking the reins and then yeah, exactly. the other two members are just in the background. Yeah, exactly. No one took a backseat. No one was shown no one was shown uh, you know, favoritism over the other. Everybody really collaborated. And that's the best kind of album. With that being said, for me, I think so much for Stardust just really fired on all cylinders. Not every track was a hit for me. There were a few misses here and there, but overall, it's so far one of my favorite records that has dropped this year. And it shows that it's that they're going in the right direction towards, you know, exactly. kind of bridging that gap. So for a I guess first attempt at a return to form, as everyone's been saying that this album has been, I think, you know, we can forgive a couple of misses. Yeah, because I totally you know, agree. I, I think that uh, chances are that if they decide to keep going with this kind of songwriting formula, the next one can only be better. At least we hope. Yeah, I agree with that. It's I say that apprehensively because you just yeah, never know, of course, right? Of but I feel like this record was a little bit reined back in. I will say, I will say though, like I know I just gave my whole two cents about how I feel about this album, but I feel like had this album come out back then instead of save rock and roll yeah i feel like i would be much more receptive to it or i would have been much more receptive to it back then that's fair because yeah i wouldn't have you know witnessed all that heavy experimentation that came with save rock and roll and onward so i feel like had this been the album they made back then i'd be talking about it way differently you know because of that they just got increasingly more pop and more experimental and more electronic elements exactly so maybe I'm still just dealing with all of that experimentation and how widely different they sounded. But I I really do feel like in another month or two, maybe this album will fully set in and I'll uh, be looking at it the same way you do. This album has been on repeat for me by choice, not just not just to prep for this episode, but by choice. It does have a lot of solid songs on it. Yeah, for sure. So I'm I'm in total agreement with you on that. Yeah. And just how you feel about this album I felt about, spoiler alert, Paramore's record. Mm -hmm. And I must say, the more I listen to it, the more certain aspects of it are growing on me. And we'll just have to circle back at the end of the year, Eric, and discuss those two records and how we feel about them then versus now. Yeah, definitely. And you know that our end of the year episodes are always a blast and they're going to be something i'm already looking forward to they're my favorite you know you know how i feel (laughs) about those definitely definitely okay so with all that eric let's get our least favorite out of the way and for our least favorite we are not going to pick the low-hanging fruit here and just go for the interludes so the pink seashell featuring ethan hawk and baby annihilation the poem by pete wentz cannot be in contention for a least favorite choice. So with that, Eric, go ahead and take it away. So I heard you mention this one before. You might be a little heartbroken that I picked it, but we'll see. My least favorite song on this album is Fake Out. No! Heartbroken. I'm I'm not going to lie. The the vocal is fantastic. I love the vocal, but overall... uh, it just feels a little underwhelming to me, okay. you know, uh, in comparison to the other songs. It's good, but I don't know. It's just a little too mellow for my taste, which is saying something because they've written, you know, other mellow songs before. But I don't know. For some reason, this one didn't really do it for me. It's so funny how music is received. Yeah. Right? Yeah, Because sure. as we've said before plenty of times on this show... You listen to something, I listen to something, and what we take away from it does not necessarily even have to be in the same realm. Yeah. yeah or, or, there are, or there are times where we listen to something and we are both just right there with each other on yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. And it's just so funny how that is. But you know what? With the way I'm going, I wouldn't be surprised if like later I change it. So stay tuned for that, guys. <laughs> <laughs> All, right, All right. So now that I broke your heart, I'm sorry about that. <laughs> uh, it's okay, because heartbreak feels so good. <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it. Please keep that in. <laughs> Please keep that in. <laughs> Never miss a moment, do you? <laughs> uh, okay, so what took uh, your spot for your least favorite song off of this album? So I don't know if this is going to be surprising or not, but my least favorite would be So Good Right Now. That's fair. 
That's fair. I briefly considered that one. And you want to know why? Because this feels like the least Fallout Boy track on the whole record for me personally. It feels like, yes, Patrick Stump sang it and everybody from the band played it and performed it, but it doesn't feel like Fallout Boy to me at all. It feels like it could be a song that anybody could jump on and perform and sing and it's just it's a very strange track it has that old school feel to it and it just really sticks out to me on this record but not in the most endearing and best way and it's the only song on this record outside of the band and Neil Avron that has a co-writer who is Robert Bird and for those who don't know who Robert Bird is he is better known as Bobby Day, a.k.a. known for his hit record, Rockin' Robin. And if you know the song Rockin' Robin and then you go back and listen to So Good Right Now, you can totally hear the connection between yeah, the two and the influence. Sense. Yeah, it makes complete sense. And it's so funny that you said specifically that it doesn't feel like Fall Out Boy to you. Because back when I was first listening to Infinity on High, there were a couple of songs where I said the exact same thing. <laughs> I was like, this is Fall Out Boy? Like, what are they doing? You know? But it's crazy how that, all these years Because at the time, that was uncharted waters for them. That's yeah, That's when they exactly. first really started experimenting. Yeah, exactly. So, like, like there's one that I, I don't remember the name right now, but it sounded like a Christmas song to me. But it also sounded like pop punk. I was like, what are they going for? Yeah. But it's funny how all these years later... You kind of learn to appreciate that stuff. Because you know they mesh I mean? so many different styles, so many different genres at this point. Yeah, yeah. They've been everything across the board from pop punk to pop rock to having electronic elements. You have soul, you have funk. Yeah, even hardcore punk with their Pax M days. Yeah, EP. you have literally a little bit of everything. Yeah, definitely. They're Throughout the hands years. down one of the more eclectic pop punk bands out there. So for me, that's why I chose that track because... What I did enjoy thoroughly about this record, another thing that we didn't point out, but I will point out now that we haven't gotten to, is that aside from the sample, which is just a sample from the movie for Ethan Hawke for the pink seashell, there were no features on this record. And to me, that was so refreshing to just have the band do what the band does best. And there's nothing wrong with having features on a record whatsoever. Sometimes they can add a tremendous amount to the record. Sometimes they can detract from the record. But because they've been so feature heavy on their last few records, it was nice to just take it back to the basics and just have the band on this record. So even though Robert Bird wasn't on the record vocally and he was just a co-writer, still his influence for me stuck out and detracted from the album and that's why I picked it as my least favorite. I actually enjoyed the fact that there were no features on this record and it was just our Chicago boys. And it's crazy because I think this is the first time where they make an album with no features for the first time since Take Me Out with Your Girlfriend. No, sorry. Evening out. Evening out with your girlfriend. Because every album had at least one. Right. It's which just is very pretty refreshing. crazy to think about. So yeah, that's crazy. I think that they did that deliberately. Yeah. I mean I wouldn't be surprised. And look it worked wonders not having anybody else, just them. Exactly. Not that I'm opposed to features, but it was just refreshing. It was it was a nice change of pace. Yeah, definitely. Okay, okay, so now that we've gotten that out of the way, let's jump into our top five favorites. Five to one. Here we go, Eric. What took your fifth spot for your top five favorites? <laughs> uh, my fifth spot goes to So Good Right Now. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Speaking of looking at things differently. Uh, yeah, I love that it's very upbeat, very feel-good, no pun intended. Uh, I, I just love that classic feel to it. I will say it did throw me off. It did throw me off at first, and I was tempted to say this isn't Fall Out Boy, but then I remembered Infinity on High, and I was like, I've been through this before already. So, in a way, it is Fall Out Boy, and so I guess I accepted it as one of my favorites because it just really feels good, and I like it more than other feel-good songs on the album that are a little similar but um, I feel like this one kind of does it a little more for me. Okay, that's fair enough. I feel like personally, I feel that personally it's a little bit too musical theater-ish for me. And that's, that's in part where the charm lies for me personally. Yeah, yeah. But I feel like there's other songs where the what you said, the musical theater aspect is 
blown even more out of proportion. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I do agree with that. All right, so what takes your fifth spot? Okay, coming in at number five, I picked Love from the Other Side, the lead single off nice. this record. Very nice. I'm I knew it I knew you, it was gonna make your top five somewhere. This song made such an impression on me, the fact that hearing this and getting the anticipation for this record of what was to come really all started from Love from the Other Side and hearing that Fallout Boy was still capable of those guitars and the bringing those instruments putting those instruments back in the forefront is why I love the song so much nice well I'll just jump right in here and say that my fourth spot goes to love from the other side no way you see yeah. how much has changed even yeah. Yeah. even between episodes you guys that's so great to hear that yeah you know at, at first I I didn't like I said I didn't know what to make of it I thought it was so jarring to hear them come back with guitars but to still hear the experimentation and I was very quick to say, oh, this is Mania with guitars. But then after with multiple repeated listens, that piano intro, which is masterfully done. So good. The lyrics, the, the dark nature of the lyrics and the really heavy guitars. Really setting the tone for the yeah, rest of the record. and Pat's vocals. It won me over. What can I say? It really did win me over. And now it's one of my favorites on the album. And I'm so I would glad even, to hear that. And I'm even willing to say it's my favorite out of the singles, probably. Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. Favorite out of the singles, too, for me personally. Okay, so <laughs> I already gave my number four. So what takes uh, your fourth spot? Coming in at number four to tie everything together with a nice little bow. So much for Stardust, the nice, title track. Nice, That's a very great way to end the album. One hell of a song, isn't it, Eric? It just, yeah. It's so perfect the way that they end. You know how much that means to me. Mm -hmm. Me too. The track listing and the storytelling and the cohesion mm -hmm. and it just really ties everything together yeah and the first time that i listened to it and once i heard the callback to love yeah. from the other side yeah. listening to it again now having that context completely changed everything and made me love the record even that much more just the attention to detail you can tell that this was carefully crafted and that they put a lot of hard work into this record. And it shows. It really shows. And they should be proud of this one. Speaking of, you know, Patrick bringing his composer skills into this album, it does at times feel like a movie, doesn't it? Like oh, the, totally. It feels very cinematic. And not just for this particular song, but for the whole album. I could not agree more. You have tracks like I Am My Own Muse, What a Time to Be Alive, Heaven, Iowa, these are all tracks where I can visualize and hear them playing during parts of a movie or even the rolling credits afterwards. Yeah, definitely. Okay, Eric. So with that, we are heading into top three territory. What took your third spot from this record? So I know I just said that Love from the Other Side was my favorite out of the singles. However, Ooh. Hold Me Like a Grudge is my third spot. Nice. Great. This music video that they released along with it, I don't know if you had a chance to see it yet. It's gold. Nice. I got to check that out. I got to check that out. Uh, but in terms of the song, I love the dirty, funky feel of it. That guitar riff that plays after the chorus is definitely one of my favorite riffs on this album. I would even say that it has a Queens of the Stone Age feel to it, if you can Ooh, believe that. Oh, yeah. I hear that. I definitely I hear, hear that. the robot rock influence so to yes speak. yes and i think that's really awesome especially for you know a band who is really uh riding this high of like just taking chances and trying to incorporate other genres into their core sound yes constantly pushing the boundaries and constantly trying new things and seeing what works and that's what i appreciate about the band too is regardless if it's digested well among listeners or not but they are never afraid to take things there and at least make the effort to experiment and try to branch out they never want to be boxed in just to one sound one genre one idea yeah and i think this is definitely one of the more lyrically vivid uh songs on the album like i said that riff i don't know if joe wrote it or patrick wrote it whichever one of you it was fantastic get and stuck pete's, in your head and pete's bass playing funky man yeah so good speaking about funky eric coming in at number three for me we have what a time to be alive 
Great song. Great love song. this song. Fantastic I absolutely song. love this song. I was debating of where this was going to land in my top five. Knew that it was going to make it there. Such a great track. I dare you to play this song and not want to sing and dance to it. Exactly. That's it what I think. It is impossible to play to play the song and to not want to exactly. move your body. You, you can hate this entire album if you want to. But, but please don't this hate out. this one. Exactly. Please don't hate this song. I could not agree more. Please just check this song out. Even if it's the only thing that you take away from this record. Because you will not be disappointed. The juxtaposition between Pete's lyricism on this track and then Patrick's melodies and production and his musicality is just phenomenal. This is where both of them are firing on all cylinders and it just ties so nicely together. I love this track. Me too. Me too, for sure. I'll have more to say about that too. Yes, I adore this track. Great pick for a number three. Thank you. Thanks, Eric. Okay, so moving on to number two. I debated between this one because... The first two, man, just so good to me. But, you know, uh, choices had to be made. So my second spot goes to Heaven, Iowa. Love it. Love that that made your top five. In my opinion, it's the heaviest song on the album. Without certainly, a doubt. Certainly one of the darkest. Again, that riff, Chef's Kiss, such a heavy riff, probably. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Joe. Yeah. Like I said, I don't know if it's Joe or if it's Patrick or the both of them who yeah. came up with that riff, but fantastic. Fantastic. Probably. Probably the most damned things influence on Joe's this album. Joe's playing on yeah. this and and Andy's drumming on this track specifically mm-hmm. is such a standout. Yeah, I love how like just dark and dramatic it sounds. It's a really bold statement on the album, and I love that where it's rolling placed, credits idea of yeah, a movie. Yeah. This was the song that I had in mind playing. I had yeah. For some reason, I envisioned a dark street on a snowy night. Ooh, I, I like that. I like it that just came visual. To mind. Okay. Uh, kind of like Sin City or something, you know? Very cool. All right. So what made your number two spot? Coming in at number two and why I was so heartbroken for your least favorite would be Fake Out. Oh, I'm sorry about that. It's, it's okay. It's okay because both of our least favorites made both of our top fives. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, though, it's not, it's, not a, it's not a terrible song. I do like it. I love the vocal. I love the delicate guitar on it, the acoustic guitar on it. And I love the lyrics, but... This felt like the most stripped-back track on here. Without a doubt. And it felt the most, quote-unquote, OG Fallout Boy to me, personally. Yeah, Now, I know it was mellow, and I know it's not their thrashing, pop-punk days type of track, but I think with all things into account that it's the most Fallout Boy-sounding track of their earlier work. You know what it reminds me of, actually? Because I, I... do feel the same way you do. It reminds me of I've got a dark alley and a bad idea oh, yes. that says you should shut your mouth. Yes. That's what it reminds me of. Just wow, the delicate yeah. nature of that song, you know? That, I that's agree. immediately what came to mind. But at the same time I was like, it does sound like that song, but yeah, I yeah. the quality's not the same. At least not to me. And listening to this record for the very first time, this was a track that stood out to me because of that reason. On the first listen, yeah, this was yeah. actually my favorite track Nice on this record. It's funny how that works. But with repeated listens, there's one that edged it out. We'll get there. But Eric, you take it away first. Your number one favorite track off of Fall Out Boy, So Much for Stardust, is... What a time to be alive. It yes! had to be. It yeah, had to baby. Be. It had to be. It had to be. <laughs> yes. You know, it's probably the most feel-good song on the album, which is ironic, given its subject matter, for people who haven't heard the album or for people who maybe just uh, haven't really dug that deep into it. It's actually quite a tragic song because it just talks about how alienated we all were during the COVID pandemic. Yes. Yeah, and this is probably the best example of what you said of the after laughter effect yes feel good music set to dark lyrics yes i can definitely see this song being performed on a stage in broadway for sure it has a very theatrical feel to it and you can tell that fallout boy made this one specifically to be played in arenas and in larger than life spaces my favorite lyric is when patrick says when i said leave me alone this isn't quite what i meant (laughs) i love it if this isn't the understatement of the album and of the (laughs) covid pandemic lockdown era i don't know what is i feel like that one statement just truly captures how a lot of us felt even an introvert like myself who typically loves to spend time alone and to be with himself even i 
have my limits. Oh, yeah. And uh, my God, just thank you guys for writing this song. I feel like this is going to be I the... I absolutely adore this song. This is going to be the catharsis everybody needs when they go to your shows. And with the Earth, Wind, and Fire influence on it... Do you remember? Yeah, I mean, <laughs> listen to that bass line and tell me you don't hear it. first night, September. Exactly. You you listen to that song and yep. you listen to What a Time to Be Alive. Come on, if, if you don't like it... Patrick Stump track through and through. Yeah, definitely. This is probably the most soul punk thing that he's done 100%. within Fall Out Boy. But it's also, in my opinion, one of the best things Fall Out Boy's ever done. Oh, 100% there with you on that. Could not agree more. I dare Actually, you. I, I dare anybody to not like this song. Same. <laughs> you cannot not play this song and not want to dance. I'm just saying. Exactly. Like I said, this is going to be the song that uh, just defines the catharsis of a bunch of people going to live shows. I can already see it. Amazing choice. Love that for your number one. Thank you. And, well, you know what? I expect nothing less from you, so go ahead. Blow me away with your favorite song off of So Much for Stardust. I think you're going to like this one. Coming in at my number one spot, my number one favorite is Heaven, Iowa. Nice. Scar-crossed lovers. Very good song. This song is a standout through and through. Every time I listen to it, I just fall in love with it even more. The more you listen to it, the more you can pick up things within the track that yeah, you didn't even yeah. acknowledge and realize and recognize before. And it's just the gift that keeps on giving is this track. Yeah, you're not you're not wrong about that at all. That's a great way to summarize it, the gift that keeps on giving. And I would even say that's the overall uh, message of this album. Yes. You know, like with repeated listens, it just becomes better and better. And I'm not kidding when I tell you this is one of my favorite records so far of this year. I know we're still early on and we have Mm -hmm. a lot more to go, but this record really impressed me in ways that were completely unexpected. Just so happy to listen to a project by Fall Out Boy again and be genuinely excited about it. Yeah, and listen, what I can say is that typically people don't like to be proven wrong. I get it. But... This is one of those instances where I'm absolutely happy that I was proven wrong by Fall Out Boy because they're one of my all-time favorite bands, one of our all-time favorite bands as well. You know, yes. we, I think they're the first band we really bonded over in high school. Yes. And I really wanted to like this album. I really was hoping that Fall Out Boy would deliver an album that even if I knew didn't, you know, recreate the past, I just wanted it to be something that I could say, you know, this this isn't what I used to know, but it's still something that I love and still something that I can agree with. And for now, it looks like they absolutely did that. And with repeated listens, I'm sure I'll 100% be on it uh, in the same way that you are. And like I said, we will circle back at the end of the year and see how these records hold up between now and then when it comes to Paramore's latest record and this record. And I'm really proud of our list. There wasn't really too much like seeing eye to eye in terms of us picking like the same ones. I think the, but... the tracks that we did see eye to eye, we completely were th- right there with each other. Yeah, yeah. And definitely. what's funny too is we have a lot of contrast. But yeah. that's what I love about this show and just this discussion in general is mm-hmm. representing the fact of everybody can listen to the same thing and have such a difference of opinion or be in agreement of things and music is just so subjective and that's what I love the most about it and I love getting to open up the discussion to our listeners and hear what they enjoyed and Mm -hmm. to see how everybody feels in general and just to have that discussion I feel so extremely blessed to be doing this so Thank you so much for taking the time, Eric, to check this one out. I'm going to be continuing to jam to this record, and hopefully you will too. Same. And listen, from two longtime Fall Out Boy fans that have been with you guys since the beginning. Thank you. you. Thank you, and you did us proud. You really did. And now is the time to swing it on over to you guys. We want to know how you felt about Fall Out Boy's latest record. What tracks did you enjoy? What stood out to you? What was your least favorite track? And how does this record hold up in Fall Out Boy's discography? 
we want to know it all, you guys. So make sure you head on over to musicmattersmedia.com and let us know over there. And don't forget to follow us on social media. We are on Twitter, Tumblr, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, TikTok. We are on it all, you guys, at Music Matters Media. And also, if you want to support our show, it would mean the world to us if you head on over to musicmattersmedia.com and grab some of our merch. We have t-shirts, we have crewnecks, hoodies, mugs, jerseys. We have so much over there for you guys to check out, to rep and support. And who knows, you could be featured on our site at musicmattersmedia.com. So please check that out and we'll see you in the next one.